Don't forget, back at the Westgate on Friday, our Friday home, 2 to 4 p.m. Come on out, see the show live. The quarterback, Jay Schrader, be in the house joining us on Friday. Marco D'Angelo and a whole lot more. As you know, our best bet segment, we got that going on for you each and every Friday. We'll give you our three best college, three best NFL plays. And, of course, uh, we preview all of the weekend action on the college football side and the NFL side. Westgate, the world-famous Superbook. And, of course, joined by our good friends over there, the vice president of the Sportsbook Operations, Jay Cornegay and John Murray, the executive director, always joining us there as well, too. Get on out to the Westgate, see the show live, and enjoy the non-smoking atmosphere of the world-famous Superbook, the largest sportsbook in the world at the Westgate Las Vegas. All right, let's uh, bring in our good friend Jesse Merrick over at News 3. Him and B-Sal hanging out, working. Who knows what else is going on with these two guys. Jesse, what's up, man? What's up, TC? How you doing, my man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So, do you uh, did you make that trek to Seattle last week, or who got the assignment? Uh, no, no, we we didn't end up doing it. We're we're having a tough time getting on the road for these games, uh, work wise, just getting it approved. So we were uh, we were both back here uh, in Vegas for that one. See those budget cuts, man. They 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 kill me, don't you? Yep. I mean, they're they t- do. They're, they get you. They're they're getting us, especially when we you can go to Seattle and we get some fine food, some good restaurants over there. I mean, do I need to talk to somebody over there at, at News Three and say hey, we got to you know expand the expense budget a little bit? Right, maybe start doing some food segments in these cities or something like that. I mean, you know that all the stuff that's going on in these cities when we hit the road. I mean, maybe maybe that's the way to get it and sell it. <laughs> that's it. That's it, man. Well, at least they they let you go to Connecticut, man, for the Aces. Now that was cool. See, yeah, that was that was good. See, all right, exactly. We, we, for the big stuff, we go. The big stuff, <laughs> the important stuff, exactly. All right, uh, Jesse, let's uh, let's talk UNLV football. I know you've been covering the story here. Obviously, another yeah. disappointing season uh, for the Rebels on the football side. And, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about it the last couple of days and even beyond that, but, you know, enough is enough. Um, they let Marcus Arroyo go. Uh, give me your thoughts. Give me your opinions first and foremost on him being relieved of his duties. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it was one I kind of had seen coming. I had been telling a lot of people, uh, prior to the cannon game, I thought that regardless that they were going to let him go. Um, you know, just simply from the fact of like, yes, you look at the full body of work, like Eric Harper mentioned, but also specifically this year, you know, you're hoping this is the year, you know, everything's in place. You can kind of really make some headway and, uh, you know, you start four and one, things are looking great. You think, man, bowl eligibility is going to be locked up. There's no way that they won't get it. Uh, and then you go and lose, uh, six straight and you lose to a bad Hawaii team, which I think is what ultimately cost him his job. You know, and, and I think that's where the administration really had to sit back and think, okay, what direction are we going? And don't get me wrong, uh, coming in in a COVID year is tough, man, especially in a program that hasn't had success, uh, really ever. You know, when you look at it, I think, I believe it's only four winning seasons since 1988. Arroyo managed to get one of those, uh, managed to get, at least get to this, this team to a, a five and seven record, which is the best, I believe, since 2014. Um, you know, so, uh, 2017, I believe that is, sorry. But, uh, you know, uh, for me, I think it's the right move, you know, simply because, yes, there were some injuries at times, but, uh, you know, even when they were healthy, this was a team, Arroyo was brought in to, you know, be that kind of quarterback whisperer and that offensive guru, and I just didn't quite see it offensively, you know. Um, there were times it just looked like it, things were sporadic, uh, you know, no matter who the quarterback was, it seemed like he couldn't really settle on any one particular guy. Uh, Doug looked good at times. Uh, but the consistency just wasn't there. Even when he came back, maybe he wasn't totally right, but 
just didn't didn't quite have it, losing the teams that they shouldn't have and not being able to take advantage of a, of a down year for the conference as a whole. So uh, as much as I hate to see anyone lose their job, I, I totally get it and, and kind of figured this would be the case. Uh, and now, you know, again, the big question is, okay, if you're going to get rid of somebody, no matter who it is, who is going to be the next guy? And that's the thing I know the Rebels fans are getting tired of hearing about. Uh, so hopefully this is one that Harper and uh, you know the rest of the people making the decisions here uh, can get right to kind of get this program going because you can't play this game, you know, every couple of years where you replace the coach. Otherwise, you're just going to stay exactly the same. And this is a, a program that needs some continuity. You know, Jesse, I've talked at length about this. It's it's in the reason why you're having this, you know, years of the same old thing is because you're hiring the same type of people. And for me, yeah. I want to see Eric Harper, and I don't even know if he has the the full authority. You know, boosters are involved with every decision uh, at this university and a lot of universities. And hopefully, Eric Harper can learn from the past mistakes. You know, look at the turmoil that the university's been in with different presidents and a revolving door with athletic. Directors directors uh in coaches and and that sort of thing and you know you have to get away from the experiments you know tony sanchez great guy and everything he was a high school coach that was an experiment marcus arroyo yeah. not a head coach he was an offensive coordinator from a power five that was an experiment and i listed off last hour just of all of the experiments they they went through going back over the last 20 plus years and you've had every coach that has had a losing record i mean you got to go back to 1976 before you could you could look at a coach that had a, a winning record here and yeah. it's just if you can continue to do the same thing. And what makes me sick is that if, if it's college, if it's the, uh, the NFL pros or major league baseball, NBA, whatever it is, you know, the NFL and college football, they like to go with the hot offensive coordinator or the hot defensive coordinator. Just because you're a successful coordinator at a power five school does not necessarily mean that you have the credentials to be a successful head coach. You have to be a leader of men. And what I'm hoping that Eric Harper does is that he looks at this and says, Hey, I don't need to listen to the search firms because that's all the search firms are going to do. The search firms are going to say, hey, this guy is is the hot OC here, the hot DC here, this and that. You got to kind of dig yourself, go deep, and you got to look at, give me a successful head coach, okay? Now, granted, you're not going to get a current head coach from a power five, but there are guys that have been sitting on the sidelines for the last few years that would and would are interested in this job that have had over 500 winning records that coached in power five conferences that, that have led teams to bowl games in winning seasons and have good character, have good personalities, can deal with players, can deal with parents and staff and, and media members and all that sort of thing. So for me, you're going to have to dig deep and just not take this cookie cutter way out that everyone else is taking. And it, it hasn't worked for a lot of schools and it definitely hasn't worked for UNLV. So I think you really need to kind of, to, to go deep, look outside of the box here and, and, and look at somebody who has proven head coaching experience and Unload a little bit of money because right now UNLV has got more money in the budget than they've ever had for hiring a decent coach. And I'm not saying you're going crazy. You're not, you're not hiring a guy that's, you know, three, four, five million a year. You're not doing that, but you are going to have to dig a little bit deeper and bring someone in who has head coaching experience that you can let them lead men. Yeah, I would agree 100% with that, you know, specifically on the money side of things. Um, you know, there's no reason that any other team in the Mountain West should be able to, 
you know, out, overpay or outpay you for a coach. You know, um, I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, you say you want all these things, but you have to put your money where your mouth is. You know, what's that whole definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. As you noted, that's something they've done a lot of. So, you know, Harper said that they're not going to bring in a search firm, that they don't plan to do that. Uh, so you would think that he's got ideas of, you know, so he's got a short list of names, I'm sure. Um, otherwise, you don't pull the trigger, you know, when you do that quickly, uh, you know, before they even paint the cannon, you know. Uh, so I, that's where I think he, he's definitely got a list of guys he's going to go after. And he noted multiple times that he's got a great fundraising team. And, you know, he thinks he's got the full support of them, the boosters, to be able to go pay somebody. And and that's what you're going to have to do. As you noted, you know, find somebody that's that's been there and done that. And I know it's tough because, like, look, you know, they always say UNLV is an attractive job, all these different things, but then they do keep going to those those similar type of names out there. So so you wonder, realistically, what is the interest in this job in a program that hasn't had that kind of success? Uh, and if it's not there, that's where you really need to pay up in order to lure some of those guys there. So I'll be really curious to see how this search kind of pans out and, and who they do actually go for. And, uh, you know, see if they, they go for somebody that, that they keep saying that they're going to bring in, um, you know, uh, and, and it's just a matter of, again, like we said, continuity and, and the leader of men at this age, it's like you can make such a quick change, uh, you know, for your team now, the way the transfer portal is and things like that. So if you can get somebody in that can recruit, which Arroyo did, it's just also that aspect of recruiting, developing and coaching and getting those guys to do it consistently that wasn't quite there. So I'm curious to see who they find that you know, they believe can do that moving forward. And you need to find a community guy too. a guy in Marcus yeah. had no ties to this community. He wasn't involved uh, in uh, appearances anywhere. He was very kind of standoffish with a lot of the media. And again, that's not that important with if a guy is winning, then hey, he can be, you know, that jerk or, you know, come across that way. Uh, you know, it's a little bit more tolerable, but if you're not invested in a school, in a community, and you don't have any previous ties there, then okay. Then that is a question. Now, Eric Harper as an AD, you know, this is going to be his first real hire as an AD that he actually gets to make, which is, I think it's cool. It's great, you know, because as an AD, you know, you don't want to, you know, have somebody that another AD, uh, you know, hired. You kind of want to make your own mark on things. So hopefully, you know, he does get a chance to, to have his own input, but I just hope he just doesn't go in that same direction that everybody else seems to be going because you got to do something different here. And for me, that is the missing piece. Someone who is connected to the community will be invested, who really wants the job, has a proven track record of leading young men and also can recruit, but also can be kind of innovative uh, as well, too. And who's, who's won at other programs. And I think that you have to look in that direction. And that's not a direction that they've looked at. They've ta- they've looked at, at Jesse at some of these, these older coaches who maybe have been out of coaching for three, four, five years, but are still connected to the game. But they say, ah, that guy's a little bit too old. You know, it's just, so I think again, it has to go by the individual. I personally know two very good qualified head coaches that told me personally, Hey, I'm interested in this job, but they don't seem to be interested in me. And these guys got great credentials. So hopefully they go with somebody, you know, like that. And I think that's what UNLV needs at this point in time, because in my opinion, it's, it's in, it's in the best shape that it's been in, even though the losses, forget that from a facility standpoint and a, a community standpoint. I mean, heck, who doesn't love living in Vegas? Who doesn't love visiting Las Vegas? And now to join the fray with the Golden Knights and the Aces and the Raiders and, and everything else that's already here and what could be coming with the NBA Major League Baseball. Yeah. I just think that, you know, 
the UNLV is in a great position to spend a little money and make the right hire to a right proven guy. That's all I'm saying. I hope they go that direction. If not, it's going to be the same narrative. Yeah, and, and you definitely don't want that. And Brian and I talk about it all the time, like you noted, with Vegas. You know, the, the way that this city is trending up, you know, there's so much going on, specifically from a sports landscape. You know, you hear so many people all the time calling it the sports and entertainment capital of the world. Uh, you know, and that's where we're trending. And and as that continues to grow up, to go in that direction, I think people are realizing, you know, oh, hey, it's not just this city in the desert. You know, this is somewhere that I would want to live. And you realize, you know, what we have available to us. Plus, on top of that, the facilities that UNLV has, the building that they get to play in, which is second to none. I mean, you know, that's one of those things where there's no reason they should be being out recruited by anybody in the Mountain West either, uh, or even by some power five, power five schools, to be completely honest, just given, given what they have available to them. The biggest thing is just going to be that there's no history of success. And so someone has to come here and win and make it, quote-unquote, cool to come to UNLV, and that's where you build that momentum and you start getting recruits that are, you know, good players coming through here consistently, you know. And as you noted, I think the community aspect is a big part of that. That's something that a lot of people brought up, um, you know, with the Royal. And I know a lot of people are taking some some swings at him now that he's out of there and everything like that. And I, I want to say, too, just in that aspect, I can see – I can see why he was like that. I don't agree with the approach at all. I can see why he was like that at times because he just seemed like he was one of those guys that was so laser-focused on trying to be the head coach of the Rebels that nothing else kind of mattered outside of that building to him. And I think that's something that, you know, you need to realize that that's a part of your job Mm -hmm. as a coach. So having someone that's been in there that sat in that chair and and won and done it successfully, you know, at at a larger program or or a similar level program, I think is going to be huge because it's not so new to them. Uh, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, God willing, we don't end up going through anything like we did before when he took over uh, in terms of the pandemic and, and having to deal with something like that, because that just sets you back even more. So, as you noted, I think the, the momentum surrounding this program, uh, you know, is definitely different than it has been, definitely different than it was when Arroyo got the job. Uh, and so I think he deserves some credit for that, but also to just realizing the opportunity that there is here with this program and, and the conference and the state of the conference as a whole as, as well. Jesse Merrick joins us at News 3. All right, Jesse, let's talk a little Raiders. Uh, defeat Seattle yep. last week. They get the back-to-back overtime wins against Denver and Seattle. And, and I know Raider fans I mean, should be excited, feeling good, but still you got the record and not to you know, uh, be downtrodden on it, but uh, the Raiders have beaten three teams. And the Seattle Seahawks probably have the best record, but Seattle coming into the season was probably viewed as one of the worst teams. You beat the Houston Texans, who have one win. You beat the Broncos, who have, uh, you know, twice, who are, you know, right uh, above the Texans. And then Seattle seems to be trending downwards. Big game this week. They take the take on the Chargers. The Chargers, we remember that game last year, how exciting that was. Uh, Chargers seem to be kind of on the, on the uptick right now. Uh, I think this is a huge game for the Raiders. I know that the playoffs are, are out of the realm of possibilities, but the Chargers are coming in here uh, kind of full of fire right now, coming off that Arizona victory where they went for two at the end and they got it. Uh, really looking forward to Sunday's game and to see if these Raiders can continue this positive trend. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, winning two in a row, you know, given the situation that they were in, you know, after losing to the Colts, uh, Derek Carr's emotional plea afterwards and just saying how it looked like this, essentially saying this locker room fully bought in. Um, you know, the team could have gone one of two ways and what they've gone and done is go and win two games in a row. And, 
you know, did you know Seattle maybe kind of not trending in the right direction, but still a team that you know has has played very well this year and done a lot of really good things. And I, I think that the thing is, as you noted, you know, playoffs are not in the picture for this team. And I know that's frustrating for fans to hear people say, you know, don't think about the playoffs because that's something they've had to do a lot of over the years of being a Raiders fan. But you know, with this staff, as they've said multiple times, as Mark Davis has noted, like this is something they're trying to do to build a, a model of sustainable success. And to do that, you're seeing some of the building blocks here. And if they're able to string three to wins together, no matter who the previous two were against and, and what state those teams are in, it is still as cliche as it is hard to win in the NFL. Stringing three together and doing it against a team in the Chargers who has a lot of weapons, you know, got a young quarterback, uh, who, you know, a lot of people are very, very high on. Uh, that it, it has all the tools that you could possibly have in your bag, um, you know, would be a big win for them, especially if they're able to do similar to what they did against Seattle defensively. I know they gave up 34 points, but, um, you know, to me it was it was a much different uh, performance if you looked at it. In the last, I think, four out of their last five possessions for the Seahawks were either a turnover or a punt. Um, you know, so the defense has come through in stretches. So I think with the Raiders, it's about getting that continuity going. You're seeing – you know, we've seen them, uh, man, what is it, six, or well, now it would be eight games, or no, I think eight games that have been a one-score game. Eight games, correct. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. And, you know, they lose all those previous ones, but then they've started to get it going. They string two of them together there now in overtime. Uh, and if you throw out the Saints loss, and we can sit here and play this whole if, if, if thing, but if you throw that out, they're right in every single game. It's a coin flip, and it just hasn't worked out for them. But if you see this team start to execute in those situations – that's positive things that you can continue to build on and move forward. Also, when you pair with the fact that the first two picks that Derek Carr had, throw those out, but this team hasn't turned the ball over a ton. They've been playing good football in that sense of not giving it away. Uh, you know, So those are all things you can build on for the future, and as they get more comfortable in this offense and this scheme with each other, because there's talent. I remember I was reading an article. I forget who it was. I wish I could because I'd love to ask them, like, what the heck are you talking about? But they tried to say that this Raiders team doesn't have talent on their roster. And it's like, man, this is one of the like, – has a very talented team. I mean, you, you could say it's a top 10 most talented team in terms of just the guys on the roster in the NFL uh, with some of the star power that they have on here. So there's building blocks. If they can get on the right page and execute more consistently, this is going to be a very different team. And I like the Raiders moving forward You know, next season once they've had a full offseason, a full draft you know, under the staff. That's going to, I think, where it's going to be real interesting to see what this team looks like, uh, just given the fact that they're in these games. They're not getting blown out when they lose, and I think that's a big positive. You got it. Jesse Merrick, News 3. Jesse, appreciate the time as always, my friend, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, seeing the game on Sunday and uh, talking to you very, very soon. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to it. As always, appreciate the time, CC. You got it. There it is. Check Jesse out. Check Brian Salmon out. Our guys over at News 3 doing their thing, doing a fantastic uh, coverage of the Raiders and everything here in Las Vegas. All right, want to thank uh, Big Bill Cartwright for joining us today. Jesse Merrick, Kevin Kruger as well, too. So uh, if you missed any part of the show, you know where to go. Go to the website at tcmartinshow.com or the podcast. The podcast available wherever you normally get your podcast. Go search it out. Like, subscribe at TC Martin Show. You got it. All right. Tomorrow, Trevor Manich will be joining us. We got a whole lot more. Paul Buck Power Stewart with our World Cup update, and we talk about uh, the knockout stage coming in the United States advance by going to uh, 
the knockout stage of the round of 16 as they defeat Iran today 1-0. All right, appreciate Marky Mark for being here on the other side of the proverbial glass. Appreciate it as always. Miss any part of the shows, go to the website, check it all out, that everything is up there at tcmartinshow.com. Back at it again tomorrow right here for a Wild Wednesday edition at 2.